Hey, do you know someone who gets mad at the smallest things? Or maybe they shut down and withdraw and have a hard time talking about feelings? Maybe you're one of them. If so, these are signs of being stuck in emotional childhood. And I used to struggle with that. In this episode, I'm going to share with you the three signs of emotional immaturity and how to fix each one. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to Wiseish. On this show, we combine modern neuroscience with ancient wisdom so you can master your emotions, heal your relationships, and pass on a legacy that you're proud of. I'm your host, Dr. Kavita. I'm a Harvard-trained physician and a double board-certified psychiatrist. And my passion is to teach you the tools that help me create the life of my dreams. Let's get started. Okay, so emotional immaturity to me is sort of like trying to hold a beach ball under the water, okay? So imagine you're at the ocean and you have a beach ball and you spend all your time trying to hold that beach ball under the water, right? It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of attention and focus. And the second you let go, it rebounds with even greater force. That's what happens with emotional immaturity because emotional immaturity is about not knowing how to deal with our feelings. So we push them down in one of three ways. The problem is the second we let go, it just causes more havoc in our lives. That's why it's a problem because it devastates relationships and it causes worsening of our own mental health. So what are the three signs of emotional immaturity? Well, first of all, emotional immaturity often happens when something either disappoints us, frustrates us, or causes boredom, okay? Disappointment, frustration, and boredom are three buckets or categories of feelings. And I say categories because within each one, you might have anywhere from mild to severe, right? You can be mildly disappointed or you can be devastated, right? So there are different buckets. I mean, there are different ranges within each bucket. But whenever you are either in the disappointment bucket, frustration bucket, or boredom bucket, how you then deal with that emotion is a barometer of your emotional maturity. Let's give you examples. Let's say you are running late for a really important meeting at work and you've gone, you know, moved heaven and earth to be able to have childcare and you got ready and you're wearing your favorite blouse and blah, 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 and you're driving and there's a traffic jam. You're going to be running late and there's no way around it. You're not able to turn around. There's a big line behind you. How do you deal with it? Another example might be that you are waiting at the bank. You have to go to the bank to do something. You expected that it would be a five-minute wait. You timed it so that you would go when it's not busy. But lo and behold, there's a long line and you're stuck in the line with nothing to do for 20 minutes. How do you deal with it? Another one might be that you were really looking and longing for your spouse to do something special for your 10th wedding anniversary. You've dropped hints, you've left suggestions open, you've even sent him or her links to things that you like. Boops, he or she just gets you some flowers and says happy anniversary and that's that. You're disappointed. How do you deal with it, right? 
We've all been in situations similar to one of the ones that I mentioned above, and they all can be hard to bear. How we deal with it, the fact that it's hard to bear and the fact that it's uncomfortable is universal. That's, that's the same for everybody. But different people deal with the after effects of those feelings differently. And that's what I mean by emotional immaturity. When we are stuck in emotional immaturity, we will deal with these feeling buckets in one of three ways. We might either react, we might resist, or we might distract. Let me explain each one. Reacting is, I think of emotional reacting as sort of running alongside your feelings and cheering them on, okay? This is when you are completely bought into the feeling. You believe it, you're totally entrenched with it, and you are amplifying it without meaning to. So for example, when you are in emotional reaction or reactivity, you might say something angry, you might vent or criticize or have a contemptuous response, or you might um, gossip, right? You might go into a lot of advising and telling people what to do. You might stay stuck in your mind, but you might ruminate, right, about how terrible the other person is and how self-righteous you are in that feeling. These are all examples. Notice that it's not just about expressing it to the outside world, although many times we do end up blurting it to the outside world in one way or the other, but it could also be ruminating because there too, we are jogging alongside our feelings, cheering them on, except we're doing it in our head. These are all examples of emotional reactivity. The second way to recognize emotional immaturity is resistance. This is when we don't feel our feelings, but what we do instead is we push them away, right? We might do that by shutting down, by withdrawing, right? By even people-pleasing or procrastinating and not making a decision, right? Not making decisions is because often we are resisting feeling something that we need to feel. Does that make sense? Right? It could be um, perfectionism. Perfectionism is another way that we hesitate to feel feelings, and so instead we go into doing. So that's all examples of resisting, right? We, it's not even that we're cheering it on by running alongside. We're just pretending we don't even feel it. That's resisting. And the third one is distracting. Now, this one is a huge bucket of options in this modern world because the modern world and modern society has given us ample thousands of opportunities and ideas for distracting ourselves, right? We could use food. We could use alcohol. We could use porn. We could use social media. We could use overworking. Overworking is a very good example because it even feels good, right? It's got a moral uh, stamp of approval attached to it. So we can tell ourselves we're doing it for our family. We're doing it because we care, because we are, you know, we expect excellence of ourselves and all of these things 
but there's an element of not wanting to face certain feelings. So these are all examples, right? Sometimes my clients will tell me, I really want to cut down on my drinking. I mean, I'm not struggling with it, but I want to maybe have a drink a couple of times a week, but I end up, I notice that when I'm stressed, I end up having two drinks, sometimes three drinks a night. That doesn't feel good to me, but I, I don't know how to, that's, that's a way I, I manage my emotions or maybe spacing out and watching Netflix for hours on end is a way many of us outsource our emotional processing. So these are three ways that a human being, you, me, any human being might end up being stuck in emotional immaturity. I want to have a, add a caveat here. Distraction is especially uh, sort of slippery slope because it can be helpful in the short term, right? So for example, let's say you're in a work meeting and your phone dings and you pick it up and there's a message that causes some disappointment or some worry or anxiety or fear for you. You can't process it in the moment because you're in an important meeting. You have to keep your, you know, attention and your thinking in that moment, but you're having all these feelings. So the only way that you can manage in the moment is to distract yourself for a little while. Notice the little while though, right? It is a skill set. It is a tool that you use in order to function. But if you overuse that tool, that's why it's a slippery slope. It can be helpful in the short term, but it's so addictive that we end up using all these short-term tools as instead of being something that can help us, it ends up controlling us because we never turn to those feelings. We end up distracting ourselves willy-nilly all day, every day until months and years go by, right? So... Same thing goes with um, reacting. Some of you may be thinking, well, when is it helpful to have anger come up and to express it? It is always helpful to express your anger, but reaction is not a mature expression of our anger. It is just a blurting out of anger without processing it. And that is damaging. I don't know if you've had somebody do that to you or you've done that to someone else when you were younger, but you can, I'm sure, recall a time when either you or someone else was hurt by that kind of blurting out and it damages relationships. So I'm not saying anger itself is bad. No emotion is bad, by the way. That notion is what causes us to push away from it or to think that we have to blurt it out. Emotions are just energy in motion in our bodies. None of it is good or bad. It just is. When we try to run away from it, then we think we either have to swallow it or we have to blurt it out because we just can't sit with it. So the antidote then to each of these is learning how to process and be with our emotions. There is research that shows that Emotions, by the way, the difference between emotions and feelings is that emotions are just energy in motion. It's a sensation in your body, right? Feeling, on the other hand, is the aftermath of emotion. It is the labels that we give to these sensations. 
So disappointment might have a certain sensation, but once we give meaning to it and give it a label, that's when it's a feeling, okay? So there's a lot of research to show that emotions, which is the first thing that, that happens, right? It's only after we have the sensation that we give meaning to it. When we have an emotion, if we can just be with the emotion and there's a way to be with it, but when we learn that process, it tends to dissipate in just a few minutes at most. You may have heard of the uh, saying, riding the wave. That's very common in Eastern wisdom practices to say, ride the wave of an emotion. What that means is learning how to be with an emotion so that it crests and then falls like waves in the ocean. And it always does. When we don't know how to do that, however, we get stuck in one of these three ways of responding, which keeps us in emotional immaturity and emotional childhood. And the problem there is it really damages our own mental health and it damages relationships. So my dear listener, your mission should be to learn how to process and be with your emotions. And I'm going to do a separate podcast on exactly how to do that. But that needs to be the number one mission of every person who's crossing into adulthood, right? I've seen people who are 18 years old who do that beautifully. And I've seen people in their 60s who still have not learned how to do that. So that is not an age-limited tool. We can start learning how to do that at any age, and we can teach our children how to do that, and we should as early as humanly possible. Okay. All right. So quick recap here. Emotional maturity means we know how to be with and process our emotions. Emotional immaturity means we don't know how to do that, and so we push our emotions away. And there are three ways that we might do that. Whenever we're feeling anything in the disappointment bucket, anything in the frustration slash anger bucket, or anything in the boredom bucket, we might either emotionally react, which means that we buy into it and amplify it, either by ruminating or expressing it too soon. The second is resisting, right? That's like pushing it away and pretending that you don't even feel that. That might be perfectionism, people-pleasing, or withdrawing. This third one is by distracting, and there are a thousand ways to distract. Distracting is not always bad. It is when we have it as a lifestyle that it can really harm our mental health and harm our relationships. All of these three can really damage our experience of life and our emotional well-being. The antidote to all of them is learning how to be with and ride the wave of an emotion. An emotion is energy in motion. If we don't know how to do that, then even at 60 years old, we are still stuck in emotional childhood. And you can see the lives of those that are stuck in emotional childhood. You can, you can see it because their relationships are often in chaos or they're pretty volatile or there's a lot of hurt and misunderstanding in those relationships. So we need to learn the skill as quickly as we can. If you come across this when you're 20, great. If you come across this when you're 50, great. Whenever you learn that there is this skill set, go into it, absorb it, master it. Your life will change for the better. 
Thank you for listening. By the way, this is what we teach in Mastery, which is our monthly membership program. Mastery is only open twice a year. It's open right now for the next two weeks, and then we close We close shop, and we won't open it for several months. So Mastery is where we take these tools and we help you actually apply it to your life so you can become the master of your own fate. If you want to learn more, you can go to bit.ly forward slash masters of fate. It's all one word, masters of fate, no space. Again, bit.ly forward slash masters of fate. The link is in the show notes. I hope to see you there. Take care. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I hope that you enjoyed the show and that you're leaving with some great takeaways and maybe even some breakthroughs. If you're ready to master these tools and apply them to your life, come join us in Mastery. It's our monthly membership program where we help you customize these tools to your life. Plus, we coach you and support you along the way. You can get all the details at bit.ly forward slash masters of fate. That's one word, no space, masters of fate. bit.ly forward slash masters of fate. The link is in the show notes. I hope to see you there.